0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now as we open your word and we want to know you more. We want to love you well. We want to love each other well. As we have seen already, Lord, the we are blessed when we do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the ways of sinners or sit in, the, sit in the seat of the scoffers, but we delight in your law. season when we do these things. So Lord, I pray that we would be a church that would be planted like a tree next to the living water, who is Jesus Christ, next to the bread of life, who is Jesus Christ, who teaches us all things, who loves us no matter what, who forgives, gives us grace and mercy and peace. So we're walking through the psalms together, and last week we looked at Psalm 2. It's the royal psalm of Jesus being set by God, and he was set up by God as the father and king over Zion. We saw that the kings and the peoples rage against God and his ways. They want nothing to do with God and his ways. They want nothing to do with his bonds or his cords, and so they try to cast them off. They try to break those bonds And God's response to this is to sit in heaven and laugh at them. They laugh. God laughs at people trying to destroy his ways. Like I said, it's that dad who's sitting in the corner in the armchair where two brothers are fighting. And everyone's looking at dad, what's he going to do? And he's in control. He's not worried. He doesn't have to put on battle gear to take care of his two sons. He doesn't have to get ready. He knows exactly what he needs to do, and he's going to step up and do it. He's going to do it, and he's in control. God's not worried. He's in control. And he set up his only begotten son, the king of kings, the lord of lords, on his holy hill, Zion. And he's saying to us, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't keep looking at what's going on. The battle's happening around you. Understand and know that I'm in control. We are seeing a world that's out of control. We're seeing a world that says we want nothing to do with God. We're making things up even in our world today. We're making things say things that it doesn't say just so that we can get rid of God the best part of last week had to be the fact that when we come to the Son and turn to His ways, His wrath is quickly kindled, it says. It's stopped because He loves those who take refuge in Him. That's our calling as a church, as a people, to take refuge in Him and to pray and ask for help, to get our eyes off of the situation that we're facing, that we might be facing, and know that Jesus is in control. Brings me to today's message. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation or ever seen a situation where you were defenseless? You couldn't control what was going on? Just completely defenseless in need of help. Where are we? Where are we? Is the the person that can't seem to get a break been to that point where you just don't feel like everything's going the way you think it should go in your life, in your job, your situations, your relationships, your family. You just don't know what's going on and you're saying to yourself, I can't do this. I just want to give up. I just want to quit. It's too hard. You ever been in this situation like that before? We need someone to to take care of us. We need someone to take care of us because we we don't know. We can't do it. There's just something beyond us that we can't do. Our job isn't going the way we think it should be going. Our kids are far from the Lord. Our grandkids are too influenced by the culture. The, The movies are horrible. Entertainment's completely different. I mean, just throw yourself back, if you can do this, 50 years was entertainment like back then what is it today literally we have CEOs and executives saying I'm going to create content for children so that they learn that homosexuality is normal it's okay I'm going to indoctrinate children think about this 50 years ago they're doing today. As in the movie Dumb and Dumber, we ask ourselves, what are we doing here? We got no food, we got no jobs, our pet's heads are falling off. What are we doing here, Harry? And this is really what's going on. This is what I'm asking myself. I love Dumb and Dumber because I watched that movie and it it was really dumb, it was stupid. But I laughed every time because I realized I'm sitting here saying the same thing. What are we doing here, Harry? Nothing seems to be going the way it should be. Everything's completely different in my world. We might even have friends who say, or enemies for that matter, that we brought this upon ourselves. It's our fault. And we may be responsible. We made our beds and now we're lying in it. That's what David's dealing with in this psalm. We're going to see God step in, though. see God step in and also see what it means to lean not on our own understanding, but let him make our path straight. So let's look at it today, Psalm 3, but before I do, let me go into story time for you. I want to read a story to you because I think it's kind of an interesting story and it sets up what we're going to see in Psalm 3. So listen to the story. There was a man in all intents and purposes was a wealthy man. He was kind of rich. Had a lot of wives. In fact, he was even a king. Had a big family. Sure, they had problems, but not too bad because they were wealthy and healthy and had friends in high places. One day, the king's son rapes a woman. story it's his sister he rapes his stepmother's daughter the girl's brother finds out and he asks the father what's he going to do about this injustice my sister got raped by your son what are you going to do about this injustice the dad does? Nothing. Doesn't do anything. He's got his own problems. He's messed up. In fact, the father's really messed up. He just committed adultery with his best friend's wife. He then murders the guy. The brother is this king isn't going to do anything to avenge his sister. In fact, the king actually hears a prophecy from one of his advisors and it says to him that now that you've done these things with this woman and the baby that died, I'm now going to never take away pain and suffering from your family because of what you've done. In fact, inside your own family, you're going to have problems his own family has problems. And as the story goes, the father's very angry, but he doesn't do anything about it. And for two whole years, the righteous brother took care of his sister, and he didn't kill his stepbrother. Then one day, the righteous brother comes in and says to his father, hey, can I have all the sons come over? I want to hang out together. The dad's kind of like, "Eh, I'm not sure, kind of skeptical about this, but sure, go ahead. So the righteous brother Standing any longer, and he got his revenge, and he killed the stepbrother, for raping his sister, and then he flees from his father because he's afraid. For two whole years, and then the father invites him back to the store, to to, to his house, and he says, "Hey, you know what? I love you. I forgive you. I love you, and I forgive you." He killed my son. takes root in the son's heart. He gets mad because his dad forgave him and actually puts him back up in a place of kind of high area, place in the around the gates of the area and he wants to be the judge of the land. The older brother now wants to be the judge of the land and he has a bitterness root in his heart towards his father so now he gets a bunch of people to turn on his dad. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go kill my dad is he stupid, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he let my sister get raped, and he didn't do anything about it. I had to take control of matters in my own hands, and I had to take control. That's a messed up family. Is it not? I mean, four years he works, and then he revolts against his dad, and he wants to take his position. That's where we get to when we get to this song. This is the course. This, is, of course, is the story of Absalom, Amnon, Tamar, and King David. It starts in Second Samuel eleven all the way through eighteen. You can go read the story. It's sad. David's men, or man Joab, <clears throat> told his servant to strike down Absalom because he was trying to kill his father. This is how messed up it is. David's own guy says, kill Absalom so he doesn't kill King David. This is King David's right-hand man, essentially. And they do it. David's not happy about that either. But earlier, you'll see, if you go and read the story, that God says, through prophet, that you're going to have this problem on Absalom but it all started with David doing something horrible and the Lord punishes him for the sins but doesn't kill him it says that brings us to Psalm 3 that brings us to seeing how we can look to someone defending us when we don't have the power to defend ourselves and really when we don't deserve it we don't deserve it David didn't deserve God's mercy it to us. Here it is. Psalm 3. Let's look at it. Psalm 3 together. It's a psalm of David. When he fled from Absalom, his son, he says this in verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him. Selah. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole music thing. If you want to talk to people about Selah, have fun. I mean, there's a huge debate, and so I'll leave it up to Susie and you guys to fight it over. I don't know what Selah means, so Selah be. Bad, sorry. However, he says this, Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. See? David sinned. The whole world knew it, and there is no salvation for him in God. See, he's so bad that God doesn't care about him anymore. His own family's going to kill him. And that's what his enemies are saying about him. So David is troubled right now. He can't seem to understand how so many could have turned on him, and he's finding it difficult to understand why his son is trying to kill him. And we're sitting back 20-20 2020 is hindsight is always 2020 perfect vision. We're sitting back going, how do you not know? How do you not understand this, dude? You let something happen and you didn't do anything as the king to bring justice. And he's confused, so he writes this lament psalm, and it's a lament psalm in the very real sense of being sad. He's in the middle of life asking the question of why is this happening. Yet he knows because he heard the prophecy but it's hard to see why in the midst of the troubles it's happening. He needs help. And he's asking God for that help. When we're down and out on the run for our lives people are saying all kinds of bad things about us. What are we to do? Where are we to turn? because we stand for God. What are you going to do? I mean, we could hide in a cave. We could run to the hills so that no one sees us anymore. But what are we going to do? Who are we going to turn to? He's asking the question right now, how many are my foes? Life isn't going the way we think it should be going. And we're trying to figure out what's happening in this life, just like David. We literally see a world right now where people are hating Christians. And many of us don't think that this is possible. I gave you the statistic last week. 50% of all Americans don't go to church. Let me say that again. 50% 50% of all Americans, that's 330 million people, half of them don't go to church. Why? Is it truly because we're bigoted? Misogynistic? Is it because we hate women? Is that really what it is? God hates women? We see the world around us where people who have hundreds of millions of dollars going on award shows and smacking other people because they say bad things about their loved ones. And then a few minutes later, they get an award. If this doesn't blow your mind how messed up the world is and how messed up it is to be able to judge Christians who actually teach that God loves women in a world that hated women, In a world that thought women were less than slaves, God says, no, no, no. Women are absolutely of the utmost importance. Yet somehow, when we say you can't do something like murder, we're misogynistic. We hate women. Really? Something that's going to cause you problems? We tell you it's a bad idea shouldn't go down this path now you have every right to do whatever you want go ahead no problem just understand there's consequences for it don't go down a certain path it's going to cause you harm we're telling you in fact we're screaming at you because we love you not because we hate you but because we love you don't go down this path it's going to cause you problems this life isn't very long So when you look at your life, and you're sitting there, and you're asking yourself, and you're watching these things going on, what is man but a vapor? How much time do we really have on this earth? See, Psalm 90 verse 12 tells us to count our days, to number our days, because there's not very many of them when it comes to eternity. And yet, I can distract you very easily. See, what you need to do is... Need to work for 30 years, and then when you work for 30 years, you put your money into what's called a 401k, because you're guaranteed to get your money, it's not a gamble, you're guaranteed to get your money, you put it in this little thing called a 401k, and then when you retire at 65, you can live off all that money you just saved, so you can live the rest of your days out, not doing anything, just retire. That's what life is. And if I ever preach that to you, please fire me. Because there's way more things to life than just saving your money so that you can get old and retire. Way more things. If you have breath in your body, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's not over yet. He still needs something for you. He needs you to know that he wants to teach you something. And he wants you to teach others. How did you make it this far? How did you get to life in this distance, this far? How did you do it? Because I can't do it right now. Too much is going on. My boss is breathing down my neck. I can't get anything done at work. Never ever am I happy. I can't seem to get the right job, the right money, the right wife, the right whatever. And so we're defenseless right now. And then we're seeing the world telling us that Christianity is bad. And Christians are evil, and everything that is evil is really good, and everything that is good is really evil. And so we're defenseless. And many people are blaming Christians for the problems in the world today. Many people are blaming Christians. In fact, there's whole countries that are killing off Christians because they're preaching this message of truth. That there is freedom in Jesus Christ. That he sets us free from sin Many are saying, like I said last week, is it any wonder why people are leaving the church when they still preach the inequalities towards women and believe in only two genders? Is there any reason why? They're so out of date. The church is wrong. Many in the world are saying saying today the same thing Job's friends were saying to him. You brought this on yourself because... your fault that you're unhappy. It's your fault that you don't feel satisfied in your job, in your cars, in your money, in your houses. It's your fault. That's what Job's friends were saying. He must have sinned. It's his fault. There's no salvation for us today. God has left us all, right? What are we to do? What are we to do? Throw in the towel and quit? Give up? Give in to the ways of the world? Or can we turn to somebody who can help us in this madness? How about verse 3? It says this, But you, O Lord, are my shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. midst of pain and suffering, loss and attack, turn to God. The Lord is our shield. The word in Hebrew is magin. It means shield, protection, refuge. David turned to his protector, and it's God himself. We can do the same thing in times of troubles. When food costs as much as it does, when our politicians lie to us all the time, We turn to God, not the government to save us, not to our money to save us. We turn to God because he's the one who's in control, like we saw last week. We can and should turn to him when our lives are turned upside down, not going the way we think they should be going. We can turn and should be looking to the one who can help us. When you're defenseless, you look to a protector He's our protector. Psalm twenty-eight seven says this. Blessed be the Lord. For he's heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. And I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 119 verses 114 through 117. You are my hiding place. My shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise, that I may live. Let me not be put to shame in my hope. The psalmist says, hold me up, that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes going on. There's even rumors of wars going on. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that this is the birth pains of the end of times. Just the birth pains. Many of you wonderful women understand what that means. to wait for, to increase in, to grow greatly in the hope of God himself. We learn to lean not on our own understandings, but let God make our path straight. It's the idea that when someone is bigger than you and they're picking on you, you turn to someone who can take care of the situation. That's what your hope is in. Like I said earlier, us and take care of our needs because we know we can't. When we turn to God and put our hope in him because we don't live here for here and now, we live for heaven. That's what we need to be doing. That's what the church needs to be preaching. The message is not about here and now. It never has been about here and now. That's the lie of the prosperity gospel. You can have your best life and have it now. If you just send me $58.30, I'll send you a prayer show with this really amazing rainwater, God's tears, and you can go out and buy whatever you want. Do whatever you want. God's going to take care of you because you can have your best life and have it now. In fact, I'm going to sell my books. the security for our lives and we can do something that most can't. Do you know what we can do that most can't? I don't know if you all do this or not. Maybe you do. Maybe you're not worried. But listen to what we can do that others can't do. Verse 5. Are you ready for this? I lay down and sleep. will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Guess what we get to do. We get to have no trouble sleeping. Are you having trouble sleeping? What are you putting your hope in? That's really what I'm asking. David looked to the Lord to sustain him. He's not afraid of the many thousands of people who wanted to kill him. David slept in times of troubles. Psalm 23, it's amazing to me when you look at Psalm 23, David's sitting down and God says, no, 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 wait. Let me prepare a banquet feast for you in front of your enemies. Look at the confidence this guy had. We can have the same confidence in the world where you have tribulation. Take heart. Because we can look to Jesus for peace. In fact, it says this, Jesus says in John 13, 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have Peace. In the world where you have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world, Christ said. Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. Christians are standing and rejoicing because we know that God is where we put our hope in. Not in the world. Not in our money. Not in our governments. We put our hope in God. And it says this, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Do you guys rejoice in your sufferings? Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Rejoice in my sufferings? How could I ever do that? sufferings produce something for you. According to Paul, it produces endurance. You know what endurance produces for you? It produces character. You know what character produces for you? Hope. You know what hope produces for us? It doesn't put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us, Paul says. Here's the last thing amazing. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. This is Isaiah. Isaiah was written 750 years before Christ came. Do you know what he's talking about right here? Someone shouted out. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, it says in Isaiah. We've turned, every one of us, to our own ways. Sound familiar? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of all of us. It's amazing to me. John 14, 27 and 29, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. And if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. We are this close, two weekends away from Resurrection Sunday. We have peace. Peace because of Jesus Christ. We have peace because of Jesus Christ. We know that this world's going to get harder. We know that it's harder and harder for Christians to stand for truth. Some of us are trying, some of us are doing our part and asking God to give us the wisdom to share with our friends and our family members our truth of Jesus Christ and to stand boldly that God is always right. And then there's some of us who are kind of scared because we don't want to going to look for help and hope. David so rightly says it in this psalm. He says it right at the end. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Salvation belongs to the Lord, everybody. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's not something you did. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's his blessing on his people. Are we part of his family? Are we looking to someone bigger than ourselves for help when we're defenseless? Are we looking to the world that's going to save us? Are you looking to the world that says pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? Turn to the one who can save us. We need Jesus. Listen to what he's done for us. To be the someone who can save us in times of trouble. Someone who can turn to, we can turn to when when the world wants to break us down and destroy us. Listen to what he does for us. He's our defender. He's our protector. And he gladly steps in and helps those who love him. Again, 750 years before Christ, this was written. This was written specifically about him. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that's led to slaughter, like a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made him his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Verse 12, therefore, and the therefore is always there for a reason in Scripture, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the sinners or transgressors. Jesus Christ came into the world to fight for us. He came in to fight for the defenseless. He came in to fight for people who were looking for something bigger than themselves to take care of the problems that they couldn't handle in life. He came into the world to fight for the weak. He came into the world to defeat death. He came into the world to fulfill prophecies of God show his love for us, that we all need that hope. His life is hard. He is the hope that we all need. Do you know him? Do we know who Jesus is, church? In times of troubles, when we're defenseless and in need of help, who are we turning to for that help? I want to shout it from the rooftops. I turn to aren't going the way I want them to go. I turn to Jesus. Like David, in the midst of his own son trying to kill him, what does he do? He turns to God. He turns to Jesus. That's our answers. We're about to take communion. And what I'm going to ask you to do before I get down there, because it tells us to do this, make sure you're right with God. So I'm going to ask you guys, before I get down there, you to make sure you're right with God. Let me read it to you really quick before I get down there. Because I think it's important, and then I'm going to pray for us. But it tells us to get right with God. It says this, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks the cup without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on themselves. So I'm asking you guys, truly sit back for a minute or so, bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask God, are you right with him? Is there something in your heart that's holding you back from finding the truth in him, finding the trust in him? Is there something holding you back going, I don't hope in my job. I don't hope in my family. I don't hope in my situation in life. I'm hoping in someone who's of my pain and my suffering, I can rejoice because I know that God who's sitting in that chair is in control. That's what I'm asking us to do. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to invite the last row up first, and if you can't get up, we'll take care of it. We'll bring it to you. But get right with God right now. Because if you're living an angered life, if you're living a depressed life, you're living a life that makes you think that you can't find hope in this world, then I'm asking you to turn away from your thoughts and now turn to God and see what he says. Because he gives us peace. Not like the world gives us peace. He gives us peace. He gives us hope to make it through this tough time in this world that we live in. That's the only thing. church, not your money, not your jobs it's in him let's pray Heavenly Father I pray that we would be right with you that as we are about to embark on doing the Lord's Supper with each other I pray Lord that we would look to you for truth that we would look to you for understanding that we would look to you for hope the world around us doesn't like us the world around us hates us Truly does. And Jesus, you said the world would hate us. So I pray for this church. I pray for the congregation. We have been a church for 165 years, August 27th this year. You have given this church a, a, a gift that many churches in the world today can never claim for themselves. We've been around for over 150 years, 165 to be exact. church that would serve you, that would come in here and really truly ask themselves, how can I serve, not be served? There's so many in this world today going, I need to have something in church for me, for my kids, for my grandkids. I need to have it for them. Otherwise, I can't go to that church. They need to fulfill a need for me. Lord, help us to get rid of that mindset. Help us to have the mindset that we go to church because we love the people who love each other well, who are committed to you, who are preaching the truth of you, who are encouraging each other to make it through the tough times by focusing our hope on you. Not in the world, not in our money, not in our retirements, not in our talents, but we would find our pray, Lord, you forgive me of my sins. I sin every day, whether I know it or not, and that's why I need the Holy Spirit to groan deeply in my heart. And I ask for forgiveness. I pray that we are a part of a body. That we understand that have different roles. Lord, I pray that we would not tell each other that you're not important or that you're not needed. That we would work together to honor you because you bestowed on us a great honor. You bestowed on Deserve, you gave us your son. He died on a cross for us. And three days later, he rose again to defeat death. And he ascended to heaven to prepare a place for us.